0: A smorgasbord of football news to talk about, including the trimming of the Socceroos squad uh, ahead of a couple of friendlies, which head into the World Cup in Russia, of course. It's Wednesday, the 14th of March.
1: It's time for your daily dose of Sporting Agenda, your audio edition of the Fox Sports homepage, The Splash, with your host, Phil Pryor.
0: Thank you for listening and we're joined by football journalist Kate Cohen today. Kate, welcome back. Thank God uh, you make your return after a couple of weeks off today because plenty of news to talk about football related, round ball related.
1: It's been a very big morning to walk back into after a couple of weeks of leave. Yeah. Um, Champions Baptism, League this morning. fire. The Socceroos squad as well, plus we've got the wrap up of the Asian Champions League as well. So it's been a big morning of football. Very fun as always. At Fox
0: Sports. Champions League across Europe and Asia, as Kate mentioned. Uh, And Bert van Marwijk has uh, trimmed his Socceroos squad ahead of friendlies against uh, Norway and... Colombia. And Colombia. So we're going to chat about that in a moment. Uh, Some headlines first. Uh, And also... A reminder that Unibet gives you the expert's edge ahead of every round in the NRL. Make sure you head to the Unibet website and download the Unibet app for all that expert's edge. Alrighty, we'll kick off with NRL. The Sharks have pushed recruit Josh Dugan back to fullback, shifting rep star Val Holmes onto the right wing with, of course, Sione Katoa, Uh, injuring his jaw in uh, their season opener up in North Queensland. Uh, And Storm Recruitment Manager Paul Bunn has revealed some intriguing recruiting secrets that helps land some of their premiership stars. He revealed that in the Market Watch podcast. I would suggest going and checking that out. Uh, That dropped uh, this morning. In the NBA, Ben Simmons has tied the great Magic Johnson with a seventh career triple-double in his rookie campaign. His 76ers went down to Indiana, uh, but BS had 10 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists to move into equal second all-time for a rookie collecting triple-doubles behind just Oscar Robertson now, who's well out ahead on 26, mind you. So, a genuine chance for Ben Simmons to collect a slice of history in just his rookie season, and there's a an abundance of football news to get through, as we mentioned, Kate Cohen. Let's start with Socceroos squad stuff. Um, as we mentioned off the top, friendlies against Norway and Colombia coming up. Um, and a new uh, Dutch coach, Bert van Marwijk, has cut his first initial squad to 26 players. What was your initial reaction when this all uh, happened today?
1: Yeah, so preparing for those two international friendlies and the main thing that he's uh, looking to do is is looking towards that World Cup and, and the bigger missions mm. that, that stand out is the fact that Mitchell Langerak, the goalkeeper, has been left out and also that Jamie McLaren, the striker, has been left out as well. McLaren's been scoring... Uh, f- scoring regularly in Scotland after his loan move in January. So he looked like he might have had an opportunity to opportunity to impress the new coach. He fell out of favour with Ange Postacoglu, didn't suit his style. And particularly after that Thailand World Cup qualifying loss, he he really didn't get another sniff. But the fact that Van Marwijk has seen him, seen him scoring goals and has decided not to select him is pretty big. And then in terms of the Langerak omission as well, that really mm. hints towards the fact that Brad Jones is now emerging as a genuine contender to be one of the Socceroos' backup goalkeepers after eight years yeah. in the wilderness. Um, How old is he now? He's I think thirty five or thirty six, so yeah, he's yeah, mid thirties. Wow. He's been around for a long, long time. He's he's played a played a handful of matches for the Socceroos before, and he was going to the twenty ten World Cup before he had some some personal um personal issues with his son suffering from an illness which forced him to withdraw and then really since then he, he's not been in the picture at all he rejected a soccerroo's call up from Ange Postecoglou he didn't want to move away from his family um to travel as a backup goalkeeper, but Van Marwijk's had a conversation with him, knows him well because Jones is doing so well in the Dutch Eredivisie and he's he's called him back up. So he's in the squad ahead mm. of Langerak, who only 12 months ago started that World Cup qualifier against Iraq when Postacoglu moved to the back three for the first time. Um, so yeah, it's a big decision to leave out Langerak, not necessarily unsurprising because yep. he hasn't played much since leaving Stuttgart. He went to Levante in Spain, was really the third choice keeper there. Would it would be a win for him to be on the bench in a cup game? That's how far down the pecking order he was. He's off. Uh, he's he's back playing in the J League at the moment. Um, but their seasons just started, so he doesn't have many minutes under his belt. But yeah, yep. McLaren and langerack the two major omissions, with Jones included in the squad.
0: Yeah. So when this ex- more extended squad was announced last week, it seemed evident that Bert. Uh, was looking to reward all the players that got us into this stage to qualify for the World Cup. Um, so is it still too early to uh, take too much else out of what we've seen from the, these two squad announcements in terms of changes that he might make uh, to the, the makeup of the side um, and the, the players involved that were involved in that um, World Cup qualifying campaign?
1: Yeah, well, obviously the core of, of the squad still remains relatively the same to what Postacoglu had it. There yep. are a fair few players that have been included that, that didn't get a look-in under Postacoglu. Obviously, Andrew Nabu, Dimitri Petratos are two standouts. And there are a handful of players who who are from the A-League that have made the squad, which is a little bit of a change over what has happened in the past uh, with, with Socceroos squads. But there is still uh, a lot of time for Van Marvijk to try to cast that net. Um, yeah. he doesn't have much time to work with the players, a couple of friendlies in March, which means he won't get much chance on the training field. And then you're looking at, at, uh, farewell friendlies and, and pre-World Cup games before the big stuff happens. So th- there's time for him to watch, but there's not a lot of time for him to work with those players. So I would imagine, uh, th- these are the players that have impressed him, impressed him the most. And, and key to that is the fact that the squad is relatively, uh, centred around that core that got Australia there.
0: And we're only a couple of weeks away from that first friendly over in Europe, I believe, right?
1: Yeah, the international break is coming up. Uh, 20th and the 24th, I believe, um, if I've got my dates correct. Um, but, yeah, the, they'll come pretty quickly. And um, and then after that, it's all, it's all looking towards the World Cup.
0: So if Game 1 is on the 20th, when will the squad actually first assemble uh, and how much time will they have to sort of... Uh, you know, train together and um, and just live together. Well, that's
1: one of the the positives about the fact that these March friendlies are both in Europe. The majority yeah. of the soccerers yeah. are based in Europe, so that will that will limit travelling time. So that yeah. will mean he'll have a couple of days, so that the the players will play for their respective clubs on the Saturday and the Sunday, and then yeah. they will leave for international duty. Um, So he'll have a couple of days to work with them once they've all arrived in camp. But then you're looking at players who will have different levels of fitness, depending Mm. on whether they played on a Friday, Saturday or Sunday with their clubs. If they picked up a niggle, he'll have a few training sessions with them, get to know the players, and then it'll be straight into game one with a few days of recovery and preparation for the second game. So there's not a lot of time for him to work with his team. And he did actually mention in his... First ever press conference with the soccer as soccer's coach that his preference would be for fewer friendlies and more opportunities on the training field. He feels he can okay. work the work his magic the best when he's yeah. there on the training yeah. ground coaching them. Um, so that will be interesting to see how that shapes soccer's preparation for the the end of May plus June leading into the World Cup.
0: That makes sense. He can watch all the players play at club level, uh, understand that side of things, but then, yeah, he wants to see him up close and personal. Yeah, really see him on the training ground
1: and try to embed his philosophy.
0: Yeah. Now, I know you have been away for the last couple of weeks, uh, Kate, but since Bert took over as coach, how much time, roughly, has he spent in Australia compared to back over in Europe or in Asia, sort of scouting and, and looking at things?
1: Well, with the, when he was announced and he had his introductory press conference, he stayed in Australia for that round of A-League. Um, so, I think he ended up watching five games in the flesh, including a National Youth League game. Yeah. So, he only watched a handful of games in Australia and then he went back to Europe. He's been based in Europe yep. since then. Um, so, he... Will have been focusing mainly on those players based in Europe, yeah. but as with anything with with today's day and age, you've got applications like Wise Scout, which the Socceroos use, which allows you to watch pretty much any game around the world. Wow! Um, so they can watch that um, in their own time, download the games, download statistics, and even go into individual players. Um, and their actions and involvements in the game. So he, that doesn't mean just because he's based in Europe that he's only watched those players. Yeah, yeah. He and his assistant coaches still would have been able to be across everything that's happening in the world of Australian football.
0: That'd be a cool job, hey? That'd be very Sitting cool job. Sitting back and watching all that. Yeah, good stuff. Now, Kate, before we get into some uh, European Champions League and Asians Champions League, guess what? There's a brand new podcast out as part of the Fox Sports uh, Podcast Suite. It's a brand new NRL show called Take Me Now, I Have Seen It All. That's a famous quote uh, by the great NRL caller, Warren Smith. uh, And he's teaming up with Matt Russell and Andrew Voss, reviewing each and every NRL round. We'll be recording that either on a Monday, Avo, or a Tuesday morning, whenever we can rustle up the gang uh, together. So... Make sure everyone out there uh, goes and uh, tunes into that. That's Take Me Now, I Have Seen It All. Now, Kate, some very interesting European Champions League action from overnight um, and, and some major drama for Manchester United fans. Can you please elaborate?
1: Yes, Manchester United have continued their very, very poor run in knockout phase of the Champions League. It's now four years since they've last won a knockout game. So they're out at the round of 16 stage. They lost to Sevilla at home 2-1. Uh, they went into the second leg with the scores nil all, which kind of favours the team going away from home statistically. About 70% of teams going um, away from home with a nil-nil in the first leg have mm-hmm. actually caused an upset. So United wow. didn't have stats on their side, but it was still a pretty comfortable position. Yeah, You would still expect United to progress from that situation but two goals from uh, a severe substitute meant that United were knocked out. They were without Paul Pogba. He started on the bench. Mourinho brought him on after 60 minutes to try to spark something after Alexis Sanchez didn't really impress very much and it it wasn't to be for United. They're they're out at the round of 16 stage. Very disappointing for, for them. They've now only got the FA Cup that they can now look towards as a, to- as a trophy to try to win this season. So Mourinho is now has some questions to answer, particularly considering the way United performed in the match this morning where they sat very deep at home against Sevilla, who aren't going great guns in La Liga. They're a very strong side, but they're uh, by, by no means uh, close to the, the powerhouses of uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico Madrid. So, yeah, interesting for United to fall at the round of 16 stage. And as I said, four years now since they've last won a knockout stage game in the Champions League.
0: That's crazy. And uh, Liverpool's Mo Salah uh, went out of his way to rub <laughs> their nose in it, I believe. <laughs> yeah,
1: 15 minutes after full-time Mohamed Salah, Liverpool's big star, who, who actually struggled very much against United in... Liverpool's loss at Old Trafford a few days earlier. Um, it took him all of 15 minutes to send out a tweet after United's loss to just say, I can't wait for the Champions League draw with a couple of uh, emojis there. So that went down really well. You can, really you can well.
0: only imagine that something happened a few days ago then.
1: <laughs> yeah, there must yeah. have been some kind of words, words said on the field. Obviously, uh, <laughs> United were quite happy to to get the, to get one up over Liverpool in the in the, I guess you can call it, the race for second place in England. So United are, are, are now pretty strong in a position to, to take second place behind City. Um, but yeah, they're out of the Champions League. So Salah enjoyed that. And there's actually some very fun stats to talk about with the last time that United did win a Champions League knockout game. My favourite one was in the four years since United have won a Champions League knockout game, Leicester have been promoted to the Premier League, (laughs) won the Premier League and knocked Sevilla out of the Champions League. So some crazy stats that have emerged since... Uh, United last won a Champions League (laughs) game and of course they are now out after losing to Sevilla.
0: So what else happened over in Europe uh, overnight?
1: Yeah, there was was another knockout stage game with Roma beating Shakhtar Donetsk 1-0 at home. That meant that Roma went through on-away goals and there was a little bit of controversy in that game with a Shakhtar Donetsk player handed a yellow card for uh, shoving a ball kid over an wow. advertising hoarding. So it got a little bit Over feisty. an
0: advertising hoarding?
1: Yeah, it got a little bit feisty at the end of that game. Roma scored Eden Jeko uh, midway through the second half to make that two all in the tie, which meant that Roma were set to go through on away goals. And with Shakhtar chasing the game, um, there was a red card for one of their players. Things got a little bit uh, heated and a ball kid decided that he wanted to delay a restart. So... Uh,
0: Man, Shakhtar
1: player decided to push him over the advertising hoarding to get the ball.
0: That's uh, that's. It's pretty always insane. fun in the world I'm of football. I'm assuming that video is on the website. It for is anyone. on the website, yep. Phil. Yeah, uh, all the all the the positive action as well to come out of the Champions League. I'm sure is also on the Fox Sports website. So make sure you go and check that out. Uh, and in the Asian Champions League, Kate Melbourne Victory have uh, got themselves in a pretty decent situation, uh, which is an unusual. Uh, Headline, I suppose, as far as Australian footballing clubs are concerned uh, in Asian Champions League fixtures in recent seasons.
1: Yeah, well, last year... The, uh, the Australian teams that represented us in Asia struggled a great deal. Um, and we know, we know about the, the way that the Wanderers were humbled and we saw really poor results for Brisbane Roy. And even in qualifying this year, Brisbane Roy didn't even make it through to the group stage. Mm. Um, so there has been a bit of a focus about the struggles of Australian teams in Asia. Yeah. Um, but victory, really, really important late winner in their group stage game, which means that they're in actually a pretty decent position to progress through that group. They're now on five points. Um, there was obviously a bit of a heated exchange with Bessart Borussia when he got substituted with about 20 minutes to go in their game with victory chasing the winner. And then you've also got Sydney FC who, who aren't in a particularly strong position, unlike victory. Um, but they picked up their first point of the group on the road in Japan. So that's very good. Matt Simon scored for the first time in a couple of years. So that's good for their hopes, particularly as they were without a fair few key players. So Graham Arnold was without Milos Ninkovic, Bobo, um, Michael Zullo and Brandon O'Neill. And then you had Matt Simon pop up with an equaliser to help them get their first point of the group.
0: Well, good to see them compete because I I know one of the hot topics on the Fox Football podcast on Monday was all about how A-League clubs are struggling to compete with the rest of Asia. Uh, It being mainly a money issue where our teams are capped. Um, You know, we can't bring in these big superstars, whereas... Clubs in China and Japan and the like um, have got a lot more money to throw at players all around the world. Uh, It's a bigger picture issue, but maybe something we can elaborate on just very briefly before we finish up.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously that's something that that Mark Bosnich has spoken a lot about with the salary cap and how that hinders Mm. our ability to compete with teams in Asia who don't have similar restrictions. Uh, And then you've also got to contend with the fact that in Australia, we haven't yet implemented the three plus one rule. And what that rule is, you can have four foreigners. Three can be from anywhere and one from Asia. Yeah, but in yeah. Australia, we don't have that similar rule. And what we've actually seen with A-League teams and their foreign recruitment is they actually don't sign Asian players, which means when they play in the Champions League, they actually have to omit one of their foreign players because it's three plus one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Sydney FC suffered that where they've uh, left out uh, Jordi Boyce from their Champions League squad. So that's another issue that Australian clubs face. Plus you've got the issues of things like travel where it's a 10 hour flight for us to go from say Sydney or Melbourne to China or Japan, uh, whereas it's shorter for them to travel from, say, China to South Korea. Yeah, yeah. But the A-League has helped this year with the addition of a couple of more split rounds, which has helped Victory and Sydney FC, yeah. meaning that they don't have as much of a fixture congestion. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. as always, things like money come, come into it greatly because the talent that is on offer in Asia and also the players that Asian clubs can attract is a lot greater than what we can offer just due to the finan- financial realities of the salary cap. But mm. it's good to see Melbourne Victory doing quite well this year, and hopefully Sydney FC can uh, get themselves slightly closer to that race for one of the top two spots from their group.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kate, thank you very much for your insight on today's podcast. How do people follow you on Twitter very quickly?
1: Uh, Kate Cohen KCS is my Twitter (laughs) handle. Thank you.
0: Very nice. Uh, Continue the conversation with Kate. Continue the conversation with myself at Phil underscore prior. Uh, Don't forget to go and check out the Experts Edge at the Unibet website or on the Unibet app. Uh, Kate Cohen, thank you very much for joining today's Splash. And that'll do us on this Wednesday. Make sure you check out all of the football content at the Fox Sports website. That'll do us today. That's a wrap. (laughs)